Hello and welcome to You Set the Tone, the podcast that takes an x-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show with surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sean. My name is Ed. And I'm Sharon. And today on the show, we are talking about season two, episode 16, The Healers. Oh, God, guys. <laughs> the darkness, more like. Yeah, I know. Bloody right, yeah. I don't feel very healed after this episode, do you? No, I feel no. it's it's a it's a tough one. It's a real there is no real light or comedy in this. It is shade after shade after shade. Um yes. just which, a bit we were, you know, uh, we were talking before the recording and we were just kind of joking like we are currently recording this of a, a Wednesday and I was like, This episode is just a hey, you having a good week? Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly that, exactly that. Yeah. It's it's unrelentingly grim and even when later on there's a, a moment of, of slight levity it's like within minutes it's back down again yeah absolutely funny enough actually nearly well, i won't i won't jump to the end but just on that scene i thought that is an incredibly realistic portrayal of yes. a, like a wake yeah you yeah know, because that's that's what happens now we, we'll get to that but i thought that was an excellent scene yeah they they yeah i i agree and it or, or like it, I think it really portrayed exactly what they're doing. You know, when you're waiting in hospital for news of somebody and you're with other people and you have those moments of where you're like remembering things and laughing and then the next second it hits you and you will stop and have kind of a reflective moment and then the next minute you're like, oh, do you remember the time they did that? You know, and I, I, I have to say it's such a dark episode, but it's so beautifully done. You know, yeah. I think it just, it feels very real. Um, the things that, that that happen and the way that people behave in this and there are so many moments I was just like oh that scene is so heartbreaking or oh, that moment's so heartbreaking and and I can really step back and appreciate it for that although it's you know a tough watch mm. so um so, so yeah, as, they, as they do in the films imagine now we have a little subtitle that comes up and says three days earlier <laughs> uh, <laughs> So the, the episode opens with Raul and Shep. Um, they are finishing their shift yes. in the ambulance and Shep is promising Raul a free breakfast. You're thinking maybe these two kids can make it work, you know, get them <laughs> away from Carol. And, uh, <laughs> and then a call comes through that says, house fire, who can respond? And their ladder or ambulance 47. That's the yeah. Star Trek reference there. And uh, they get uh, 47 is the magic number in all of Star Trek. It's oh, everywhere. I can't believe I didn't know that. Uh, I'm judging you, Ed. These are the Kick eyes of judgment. Out of the fandom. Judgment. No gatekeeping here. No gatekeeping <laughs> here. Thank you. That's right. No, I'm not keeping the gate. The gate's open. Out you go. Um, <laughs> Ouch. But uh, yeah, so they, they arrive anyway, and it's... Uh, we, we sort of get patchy details on what the cause of the fire is, but the fire is already very bad by the oh, time yes. they get there. The whole building is up. And even still, there's people running out. They manage to stop a man on the street, and he's just kind of not really sure what's going on. Um, now, there's several... Now, I think it's... Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Not... No, not tenants. Um, when you're... When you're in somewhere and they can't kick you out because you're claiming slum. When you, is slum. where they would be. What? Not is... slum. What am I saying? Uh, you know, um, t- uh, squatter. 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 Thank you very much. Oh yes. Not slum. Squatter. Yeah. Oh. I was just like, whoa. Between okay. the three of us, we, we managed to get one word. Oh, this, this is lockdown. This is COVID. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Absolutely, yeah. The uh, digging the thing. Spoon, that's what. No, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the squad. And you, you see a few people kind of take off and they start running because it's, um, I'm not sure whether it's Raul or Chef. Someone basically says, it's a drug den. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's a meth yeah. lab or something. So isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of these people don't want to hang around because nope. it's not just that they obviously they want to escape; it's that they don't want to escape into the arms of the police. Exactly that. Absolutely. So if you guys run away, one poor person comes out completely engulfed in flame oh. in a very impressive stunt, actually. Yes, uh, really, really, really well done. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, yeah, Shep and Raoul managed to put him out. Yeah, and then this woman walks out carrying um i think he's called a toddler he looked a little bit older but he called a toddler anyway yeah yeah yeah. um and she just sort of casually announces that there were three babies up on the second floor still in the house she has not managed to get to yeah yeah and so the two lads they sort of look at each other and they say right we're going in and the scene cuts away yes and i think for me as a viewer, I, this is something that's always kind of confounded me about America, but I've seen it in a few shows where somebody who is um, a paramedic is also a firefighter. Yeah, yes. they've mentioned that before. The, the, the paramedics are based out of the fire station, I think. I think that... Now, again, so anyone who's listening to this, please get in touch and let us know. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure. Is that sort of a standard thing now everywhere? Or is that, no, no, this is a... This is an ambulance crew based out of the fire station, and they just happen. It county happens to be their local hospital, um, as opposed to the ambulance operating from the hospital. I see what you're saying. I think what I I I was just like, okay, so they are paramedics and firefighters, and and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think that what happens here is what I think can be quite dangerous when you have somebody who can do two roles, but they're only equipped to do one. You know, you feel like you have to help. You, you hear children are up there, you have certain skills, yep, you don't have your, your equipment, but that's not easy to then walk away from and be like, okay, the other guys will be on, you know, they'll be on the way. So that's what I was, I just found that really, I found it really, sad and really heartbreaking in the sense that I felt like they were failed a little bit by by however this is organized because there are going to be moments you know and then they're also they're asking them to go to go there when they know that they have firefighter thing they're not asking them to be firefighters but I think once you're in that mindset you can't walk away no matter what and I, I just felt I just thought, oh gosh, because that just wouldn't happen here. You know, you'd have an ambulance and they wouldn't for any second dream of going in because they're not trained at all in that way. They are just people in the ambulance. And um, I just thought that was quite striking because that was something we, you know, we don't have here. So, yeah, that's a good point. Um, There's something else in this, in in interspersed between these high drama action moments is Susan and little Susie Mm. getting ready for the day. And it's, it's, uh, Susan's big day to find out she's going to finally adopt uh, little Susie. So it's a funny little, you know, they've not kept it all about the fire in the cold open. The cold open must have cost the whole budget of the episode. And then yeah. the rest was done on, you know, sticky back plastic and, and masking tape. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Lupita type style. Yeah, exactly. Neil <laughs> yeah. Buchanan came in and did the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss you. With dust on a big mountainside or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I thought that. I watched it and I thought, gosh, you know, they, they, 
they were obviously doing very well. We we know that they were, you know, because the budget they've been given now is just completely mental. They've yeah. already had hell and high water this season and now they've got That's this true. burning building which keeps having explosions and like you say, people are coming out engulfed in fire. They've uh, have many shots of it kind of going off and like mini explosions happening and you just think, gosh, you know, that that's not cheap and um but you're right they do they kind of intersperse and it's interesting because i think you've got this mother at the house who is obviously been you know cooking meth and or living knowing that meth is you know being cooked around her and then you've got susan who just wants to be you know is trying to be the best mom she can be for her niece who's been abandoned and i thought it was an interesting contrast as well yeah Actually, you know what? i didn't think i didn't think of that specific contrast at the start because you're dead right like You've Susan who would walk through fire to yeah. do anything for Susie, and then you have the other mother who has bloody caused <laughs> this fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and it, it is now. It's so right. So it it kicks in now to the opening credit. I just like love these opening credits. Uh, <laughs> worst thing ER ever did. Seasons I think thir- 12, 13, yeah. and fourteen. They got re- why no? Why? Yeah, it's just like it's it. and it's like it's like. What? No, no. This is the action shots Sonny Benton doing his like thing, you know. <laughs> Oh, the, the, as soon as that's not being in the credits, it's not ER anymore. I'm leaving the podcast <laughs> at that point. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Next week. Um, <laughs> so then we get to this like that. It's this often happens. It's almost a quiet morning. Yeah. In county, and you mm. know there's. Everywhere, hello everyone. How's everyone? Everything good? Yeah, yeah, it's grand. Oh, what's that on the radio? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, good it, God. It, it, I, I know it's so funny that they love kind of doing this, where everybody's just all innocently having a little conversation, having a nice. Um, so you know, you think yeah, it's exactly what you said at the beginning. You know, you think you're having a nice day. Well, we're going to change that, um, and we have this kind of quiet scene between Green and Mark, which is very Green and Green and Mark. That's the same person, uh, Green and Doug. <laughs> um, you know, and they're both we've seen them getting on and working together and their relationship is quite strong at the moment. And, and it's very Doug because Doug's being like, you know, you need to get back on the horse. Your wife's left you. It's time to get out there. And Green's very like, Oh, I don't know how to meet women. And it's really Mm. hard. And, and then Doug is like, well, you need to take your ring off first, which I thought was just hilarious. Um, And then he, you know, asks Randy and Carol for their advice. And Randy (laughs) perfectly says, you know, so what's the thing you do first when you you know you see a man you like and she's like well I do a background check and you just <laughs> yeah, run a credit check I'm like, yeah run a credit I, check yeah <laughs> I I have a lot of time for it they also yeah. just before that I can't I can't remember who said it to who but they used a a, a euphemism digging post holes Ooh. it's a really oh my horrible God. euphemism I yeah that. yeah I hate that. yeah That's it's yeah. my brain rejected that I don't even remember <laughs> you blanked it from your memory yeah, I did me weird me was like oh I'll make a note of that <laughs> digging post holes with dog okie dokie <laughs> it's not the gardening show you think it is oh. <laughs> Alan um, Titchmarch teaches a very different <laughs> Oh. Yeah, after dark oh gosh no no oh, no um and then kind of through that we also learn that doug is having dinner with his um his dad so we you know we've been seeing this relationship kind of building week by week and and we have a moment where green's like oh i didn't realize he was you know he was close and carol says oh you know he's they're trying and 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 it's nice you think okay things are hopefully going well gonna 
go well for these guys but you know these little seeds have been planted at the quite early on um which which is great and then um as you say we we get the call for the about the crispy critters which oh, i hate that uh, term it, it's it's awful i mean it, it, it's something we've seen uh, kind of across here like for for every time that we get a really affecting story and we obviously get a very affecting story in this episode there's also and I think this is deliberate as well, depictions of them having to somehow dehumanize yeah. what's going on around them. Crispy critters, yes, of course, out of context, that is a horrible way to describe, you know, the patients who are coming in. But when you know you're now about to face, you know, let's say 10 people, there's there's yeah. more, there could be less, but let's say 10 people who, you know, when when you get burned there is seems to be very there seems to be a very little margin between survival and too far in terms yeah. of you can get first degree they, they treat a kid with first degree burns and that's yeah. not too bad but then once it goes to second and third degree burns it's like once you hit a certain percentage that's it you can all you're doing at this point is just keeping people comfortable and yeah. it's knowing that knowing that these people are about to come in it's do, you know what are we this is going to sound awful what are we rushing for? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, whereas, because these, you're you know, like you say, they have to dehumanize it and they also have to survive it. And, yeah. and that's just the way I guess they manage. There's also a tiny moment in here where, where, um, you know, Green's asking where Lewis is and they say, oh, she's going to be late. She had an appointment. And he's like, well, what appointment? And he, he seems a bit annoyed about that and I, I wondered if that's because she obviously hadn't told him or confided in him it's just um it, 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 I just thought it was a bit odd for him to be like well what appointment it's not like him to be annoyed about something like that it's not and obviously I mean like there would be there's an argument for look it's a high stress situation yeah. um they need the extra hand so that's understandable but then yeah, as you say, it felt it felt like he took it quite personal. Yeah. And then the fact that she said, you know, he says your shift starts at seven. She says, I told Weaver yeah. I would be in at eight, which mm -hmm. I think it's a perfectly fair thing to say, you know, well, even, whatever about the mechanics of it, you know, she told someone. Yeah. Um, but it was Weaver. Yeah. It wasn't Mark. She didn't tell Mark that this yeah. meeting was this morning. And he still doesn't know what the reason was. No. And then he goes, well, it's 8.30. And she goes, well, it's 8.20 because they kind of get into it. It's a very, very short little back and forth. But yeah. he kind of he gets the last word and he's not he that pleasant about it. He, she says, I'm sorry, it was really important. He goes, yeah, well, so's your job. Yeah. yeah. I hate that sort of, your job is the most important thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. she is a doctor, so it's quite, you know, quite important. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, really? Yeah, and also because, you know, it, it's not like this is what, something Susan does all the time. She's not somebody yeah. who's always late, never, not somebody you can depend on. This is a, somebody who works really hard and everybody, and Mark especially knows how human everybody is and that things sometimes go wrong with sometimes you have to have an appointment that you can't move, you can't yeah. miss. And you should try and kind of be flexible. It'd be different if, you know, so this was what Susan always did or had no good reason or had come in drunk, you know, but she mm. didn't and she did everything she should have told Weaver it's not Weaver's fault that she either didn't pass that message on or that Mark is resentful towards the fact that he doesn't know um, so I just I just thought that was 
I wondered if that was a bit of a, him kind of reacting back at her because he felt like he didn't know what's going on in her life. And I don't know. It did. It felt like, yeah, it felt like a bit more than actually it felt like a bit more than necessary. And it also felt like the kind of thing, a, a manager who you don't know would kind yeah. of snap yeah. at you, which in this context feels worse. Yes. If she was, it was her first day and didn't know Mark or anything like that. Yes. All right. I think I don't know who you are. You've just rocked up late for your shift. Um, yeah. And, you know, not only that, but obviously in no way was this her responsibility. But as she walked in, a patient flatlined. Yeah. You yeah, know, is exactly. there, you know, maybe if we'd had more hands, which of course is not the case. There's nothing yeah. she could have done. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. yeah, because you, as many, you could have lots of doctors, but doesn't mean that they can all be helpful in one room together. You know, you still need one that's leading. You know, they had, they, had, you know, Mark was there, okay, he was screaming for Benton, but Benton was, you know, came down. They had Carter there, you know, they had the nurses. So, yeah, I just thought it, it was um, something a little bit personal. Uh, but just to go back, because um, we see Susan speaking to the adoption caseworker about. Um, you know her, her this case. woman who seems to sorry play and a caseworker in every single thing I've seen her in ever. No, really? She is in everything. This woman. I looked her up because I was like, I know you. Her name was Mary. Is Mary Pat Gleason? I do yep. say where she has passed. Um, she was in things like a Cinderella story, Will and Grace, Saved by the Bell, but also she was in The Crucible. Um, no way. Yeah, the American one that Winona Ryder was in. Uh, she played Martha Corey. Just going to put that out there because that's our little kind of connection oh okay yeah now i've seen a picture i'm just looking at amd that thing imdb thank you uh she's also in 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 oh jesus intolerable cruelty with george Clooney. yes she is which i I doesn't ring a bell but i is that the one with um catherine Catherine. jones yeah 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 um i have not seen that film and yet i am aware because i remember the the dvd box he was, was working in a rental store at the time, and yes, we had a lot of copies of that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> random fact. Um, it's nothing to do with the fact that George Looney was on the cover. No, 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 no. I just remember that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, um, did you order all those copies? Was it you? Yes, we need fifteen copies. I cannot do so without popular, it. Loads yeah. of people are asking for it. Yeah. You realize the shop is closing down next week. Twenty-five copies. <laughs> are you responsible for Blockbuster going under in, in Ireland? Um, listen, I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, um, but would you like a copy of Intolerable Cruelty? <laughs> yeah, I'm just giving them away now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so that was cool. She was there, you know, uh, nice to see a face that we know. Mm. So she is, yes, yeah, she's the caseworker in this one. And she basically says to Susan, everything looks great. Um, the only little thing they worry about is her, obviously her working hours. She says she's going to have a, she's trying to kind of negotiate those down, but really, you know, everything should be fine. You know, the judge will declare you know, the parental rights will be cancelled or whatever. And then she's, She's free to have little Susie, and so it all. Yeah. So there, you know, that's some positivity. We're like, okay, great, this is good. She's gonna finally get all that sorted, and then we go back to the ER. Where, oh, just before oh. we do, sorry. Um, yeah. They mentioned about trying to find Chloe because um, she left no forward address, and there's no phone book listing, and that's it. 
she's disappeared. Yeah. And I was just like, that's so 90s. And so like, no, but imagine like, you're watching oh, I saw this. her on Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, imagine you watch this yeah. for the first time. You've never seen the show before and you were born in, you know, the mid 2000s or something. And you're like, where do you want? Well, you just didn't do any kind of checking. Give me two seconds, I'd find this woman. Don't be silly. Um, I loved as well, because then they mentioned their father, and she says, yes, I've put some ads in the newspaper. And I just thought, who is looking at the ads, all the things in the newspaper, being like, oh, yes, <laughs> that is me. Yeah. Oh, I, I just Finally. thought, yeah, it was. Yeah. You know what? I wondered what happened to him. <laughs> it was just so quaint. And so mm. it just shows you how small everything back was back then. How you, yeah. you really just couldn't you could easily disappear and ghost people and all that stuff. And that's actually, that's an excellent thing as well, because um, I get, I suppose kind of just talking about Doug for a second, right? Because that plays exactly into something Doug goes through in this episode. Yeah. Um, so I think we can kind of talk about him maybe really, cause he's not really yeah. involved in a lot of the other, in a lot of the, the main kind of storyline. He, no. he is kind of the, kind of the B plot here. Um, he does his day and as you say, yeah, so Carol tells Mark that he really is trying with his dad and they have tickets to go see the Chicago Bulls play always that night. Always the Bulls, I'm just putting that out there. It's always, always the, the Bulls. Bulls. <laughs> and in fairness, they were, I am told. A good... Listen, the thing I know about the Chicago Bulls is that Michael Jordan was very fun in Space Jam. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, as golf teams go, they're good. Uh, <laughs> oh, you should see their baseballing. It's amazing. Oh, oh, unreal. Unreal. Um, so many sports points. Is yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's it. That's why they remember him for the sports balls. <laughs> um, but he, he's about to say, so Mark comes over and says, listen, will you go? Will you, you know, you're, you're an hour at the end of your shift. Go on, will you? And yeah. initially he's like, no, 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 look, I'll wait for Pete. It's fine. He said, that he goes, Mark, I appreciate what you're doing. You know, you're trying to get me out of here on time, but no, no, it's fine. And then he kind of thinks about it and goes, actually, Mark, yeah, thanks very mm. much. I'll take you up on this. And away he goes then. And the next thing he's standing outside the, I'm so sorry it's to everyone. the United Center. I looked God. it up. So he's standing outside the United Center, actually, I, I discovered. Um, <clears throat> All by myself, <laughs> as a fan. Sean yes. was going to edit this out, because that's just what he does to people. He does. Oh, I still might. the most knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as I said, Jug's standing outside the United Center. But no, he's standing there, and he's got the tickets in his hand, and because of exactly what you were saying, Sharon and Ed, he can't text his dad. He can't ring yeah. him to go, where yeah, are you? Yeah. He doesn't even have... I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm assuming there is a payphone nearby. Yeah. But who does he ring? Yeah. Does he ring the hotel? Is his dad on the way? Do you know what I mean? You know, does his dad have a pager? I, which, in fairness, he might have done in 1995, 96. Um, now, he then kind of storms into the hotel and finds him. But... It's it's kind of, it's the kind of problem that in two thousand and twenty one, you know, it, it would be almost harder to write that scene. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Because well, hang on, he hasn't read the message, so I'll just go home. Mm -hmm. then. Yeah, you yeah, know. exactly. Uh, or, or like the dad may have been able to just quickly text him, and or you know, he like you say he could have called him quickly, or or even looked at Facebook to see where he's checked in on you know you know, exactly. you know. <laughs> that's a good point we, the thing we is, are we are cracked 
yeah. It will the exactly. Thing, <clears throat> the thing with his dad, though, I bet he still wouldn't have done that. You know, you, you've got, yeah. like you say, you've got WhatsApp, social media, texting, calling, all the rest of it. But it's, my impression is that his dad was still forgotten. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a bad the point. person. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and and uh, there's something as well about Doug standing outside that stadium in the cold because there's snow, mm. and he's in front of the Michael Jordan, um, you know, statue, and. We first we see him when everybody's kind of milling in and then it cuts back to him a bit later when you can hear the game happening in the background he's still waiting and you could see the little boy in him you could see that little yeah. boy's face who's not only disappointed but also expected this I guess in some ways and I just thought you could really see if they'd done a thing where they kind of dissolved into a little kid and then dissolved back up into him being an adult yeah. I, yeah. that's how I felt like I could I could see everything happening there um and it, and it really makes you really feel for him. So when he then yeah. later goes to the hotel and finds his dad, who looks like he's just on a date and has just like, mm. and then his dad says, oh, you know, I did call the hospital. And it's like, well, A, none of us believe that he did do We, we all think yeah. he probably didn't do that. But B, you know, the hospital's a really busy place. It doesn't seem like yeah. the best way to leave a, a, just leave a message, you know, and expect it to get yeah. through. Is my was my thing. I mean, not that Doug's dad would know this, but it was quite a busy afternoon. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's. Yeah. Um, he says this this line that I had to write down. I'd have been there if I could have. You know that, but he doesn't because no, he was don't. never exactly. there. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can't say now. Oh, I'm really reliable. This is a one off because yeah, you know this me. is <laughs> yeah exactly. This is Doug's life that yeah. he was seeing played out as as he so eloquently said, bit- Sharon gaslighty isn't it it's a bit like yeah, well you know you know i would be you know i've always been yeah this brilliant dad of yours and this this actually this whole scene really heart like was one of the heartbreaking scenes because we really see doug we can really understand everything why doug is the way he is you know he says to his dad because you were never there and you were sleeping around and I caught you one day outside with this woman and I can't keep track and, you know, really paints this story of his childhood. And then he says, because of you, I I can't commit to women. I am in a job where I see people for two minutes and then they're gone again. Um, And I just, I've become you, which is really sad to see. Yeah. But then Doug's dad, and I hate this, he's like, you can blame me for the things that happened when you were a kid, but you can't blame me now. You're an adult. You're 34 mini stroke Doug is 34 yeah. <laughs> um god when you watch it you when you're younger you're like oh 34 is millions 34 of years so away yeah, yeah. not yeah. that long away now oh. um oh. but uh, yeah and I, but also like that argument is that you know okay I, I did this when you were a child yes but as soon as you turned 18 they just reset the clock Exactly and you just that. you you live the way you live from that mm-hmm. point on. Yeah, you know? nothing from your childhood then affects you, and it's, it's it, again, it's his dad just like, you know, trying to get himself off the hook. He he, um, everything now is not his fault. He is yeah. going to take no responsibility. And there's been so many studies about the fact that things that happen in childhood, which is your most formative time, can really really shape you, and yeah. and that moment really annoyed me because again he was putting it back on Duggar being like, well, it's your fault for not getting over that stuff. It's, you know, you're an adult now. No, I'm sorry. You you could be 65 and still be, you know, scarred from things that happened in your childhood. Yeah, it takes a presence of mind to, and a will to kind of recognise the things that have messed you up as a kid and then work to correct them. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, as as Doug says, he's just repeating the same behaviour. Yeah. 
Um, did you see who his dad was sat next to? Yes, I was yes. going to say this is another yeah. E-H-I-B-E-R, isn't it? I know. Yeah. Try and name something else that she's been in apart from CSI. I can. Erin <laughs> Brockovich. Oh, I was going to say Species. Oh, I was going to say Species. Oh, species. Yeah. Yeah. oh, nice. Yeah, so it's it's Marge Helgenberger, is that how you say it? Hel- yeah. Helgenberger? I think, yeah, I think it's a, a hard G. I thought it was Marg. But, it no, might be no. Marg. It could be Marg. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm terrible with pronunciation. You're one from Species and CSI anyway. It's such a precise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 264 episodes that, of CSI. Bloody wow. Yeah. 264. That's for 13 years. And they, they pumped those shows out. They really, they? really did. Um, yeah, so she she plays a lady called Karen Hines. So we don't, we see her kind of, it's very blink and you'll miss it. But she, she does reoccur, you know. Yeah. You know, she does become bigger in the storyline later on, but yeah, it was good to see her. Is that a hello? Um, yeah, no, lost my train of thought there. Sorry, let's go. <laughs> right. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Um, so back in the in the hospital, we have the succession of different kind of uh, different patients are, are starting to to file in. We've got Doug, who's looking after a lot of the kind of kids. Um, the first person that Mark looks after, as we said, has passed away. And then the news kind of filters in that actually Shep and Raoul were uh, involved and were on the scene. So this obviously causes Carol to be completely stressed out and, and, and just trying to find as much information as she can, but you know, nobody can really give it to her. So she's trying to be a brilliant nurse as well as is obviously very, very worried about her partner being injured or possibly dead um especially as more as more and more kind of patients come in they're all kind of faring worse you know they're not doing that great so she's thinking oh my gosh what's happened to Shep which you know definitely I, I do really like these episodes I know it's a really hard episode but you see the whole department just switch into act do you know what I mean there's no there's no equivocation there's no woman in our in like Randy gets in there. So as soon as Susan walks in, as you said earlier, yeah. she's like, oh, I need to take a daycare. Randy's like, I'll take it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, just, yeah. they're a well-oiled machine, and that's something that I really loved in that moment. But um, yeah, it's, it's, really it's chaotic. But they, I mean, Doug is running a trauma on that kid curtain yeah. area at one point because there's no more room in the, at the inn. It's just, it's this real classic ER moment because it's it's one of those where the kind of the camera's moving from one heist to the next and going from room to room. You're seeing all the various doctors, all the different things going on. So you can't, it's not always as easy to follow as exactly what's going on, but you just, you know, you're in awe because it's all happening. And, I, and I've started more and more to think about the fact that the actors would have had to, you know, be in certain place at a certain time and say their line at a, you know, a certain time because they'd have everybody kind of you know counting on them because it was kind of a choreography of of sorts and it's quite beautiful I guess in in that sense but yeah you just kind of see them all getting down to it working hard um and then we see Carol she goes outside she's really desperate she's looking there's there's still no rig um and then Doug turns around and he does this thing that I I really hate people doing and I, I get why people do it but he kind of says to her oh you know it's okay it'll be fine and he has no information as to why it would be fine he's just saying that and it, for me when people say that to me I feel like I haven't been listened to and I also feel very much like they're not taking my concerns into consideration and they're just kind of glossing over it and I 
you know, oh, whatever. I, I know a bit better than you. Everything will be fine. So I get why he says it, but I, it's something that really annoys me when people do that to right. me. It, it's, it's a brush off, isn't it? It's a, uh, yeah. I can't be bothered to think about it, but I'm all, when people say oh, it'll be fine, I always want to say, how do you know? Yeah. Why? What's going to happen? What, how can I make it fine? Do you know what I'm like? Give yeah. me detail. I like detail. Same. I don't like glossing over things yes. and, um, so you know, right, everyone go home. Dog's got this. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Um, there is, they keep doing that kind of not fake out, but every bed that comes in isn't yeah. Shep and Roll. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And there's no news. We just keep hearing, yeah, they were, they were still there or they were on the scene or, or the last time we saw them, they were, you know, going into the building. You know, so we're just getting these kind of little dribs, but no real sense as to what is actually kind of happening um and then we then we have susan who is um not susan uh, i was going to go back to shep sorry um because he he does finally come in you know carol finds out he's coming she finally finds him and he's very much that like, he keeps saying and repeating over and over you know he was behind me he was behind me about raul and taking off his mask which you know they're like you've got to have your oxygen yeah um but you know we see Raoul and he he looks okay and they start doing the checks on him and it seems like he's going to be okay he hasn't really suffered you know he suffered kind of more broken bones than burns and or smoke inhalation so he actually I think although he's in a bad way at the moment he'll be okay and and at this point, more and more kind of the firefighters and paramedics have started to just turn up at the hospital to wait to hear news because obviously they've had fallen heroes in, in a way and they're all trying to be there for each other. So there's that added extra pressure as well that they're all kind of peering in at all the different trauma rooms and, and we're kind of waiting for um, for news. Uh, and then Jerry comes in and he says, you know, oh, Raoul's coming in they found him yeah. and then this moment is so telling because they say oh how is he and Jerry just doesn't speak he doesn't oh, yeah. say anything yeah. it's it, you know he's not okay yeah clearly because he'd have gone yeah do you know what I mean there'd have been some yeah. kind of answer but that, that you know Abraham Ben Ruby's dramatic pause was enough to tell you oh yeah, yeah. it's serious it builds yeah. that tension yeah um it's just yeah it's not a good sign um and then and then susan is treating somebody who is another ehibier of ours um and he's only written down as injured fireman which i think is mean yeah. give them names not just yeah. injured fireman <laughs> but um it's michael kudlitz from uh the walking dead and yes. southland and all kinds of those he, kind of shows he looked almost exactly like he did in the walking dead yeah apart from he didn't, didn't look he didn't look as ginger i'm sure he looks more ginger in the walking dead yeah, he's quite blonde in this isn't he yeah yeah because he's a lot younger he's baby face but he, there's no you know you can't um miss him at all and no. i just i keep thinking about that last episode he was in of the walking dead which was oh, matches this for brutality oh, but uh, no it's worse actually <laughs> it's a really horrible episode but but yeah really? Walking Dead is such a sunny, optimistic show normally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do a musical episode every season, which is just, you know, bonkers, but, you know, kudos to them. <laughs> and this injured fireman actually has a message, you know, he basically says, oh, you know, Shep and, and Raoul went in without gear. They didn't have gear. And he tells the, he, that's how that story gets out to the K 
county general people and everyone's like, oh, okay, this is actually going to be hideous, isn't it? Yeah. And it, like when, when Raul comes in, yeah. thankfully Benton is down. And because the, the camera's doing, it's the amazing thing that AR does is particularly in these large trauma scenes yeah. where they pass through all the different rooms and you see pretty much everyone who is cast in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Weaver is off on a beach somewhere. It's um, Coburn, probably. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, uh, I did some work last week. I, I deserved three months oh off. God, that, was a, that was a lot, guys. Um, and they're panning through. And then because Carter is sort of just, you know, he's our introduction to him in this episode is he's just part of another trauma with Mark. Yeah. But then, yes, yeah, so Raul comes in and Carter's kind of standing there in the background and Benton kind of snaps into Benton mode yeah. and because they need to... Um, Do you know, a cut down? They, which... have to, they have to get through the burns, oh. basically. The burns are so bad on his chest that they're constricting and they're basically squeezing yeah. his, his chest to the point where his lungs can't deal with it. Yeah. So, oh. I mean, which is just awful. Um, and this is where you need somebody like Benton. This is where you need yeah. someone who can switch off the humanity. Yeah. Which, my yeah. God, Benton's got that one nailed. But <laughs> the one who doesn't have that nailed is Carter. Yeah. yeah. He's the exact opposite, isn't he? And, and he actually struggled in the first, with the first um, guy who came in when he had to, they asked him to cut down there. He, he was really struggling with that. So that just shows you how hideous Burns actually must be especially with on Raul because he comes in and they say it's like what, 85 to 90 percent uh, third degree burns yeah. um which you know is not something people survive um is, but yeah it's awful but that's just I mean obviously you wouldn't just go right turf him let's not even try but yeah 85 to 90 percent third degree burns the only thing you're doing is making them comfortable yeah, yeah. exactly that and, and as you say, you know, Bent, because Carter can't, he's really struggling with it at, the, at this point. He's, he's, he almost looks like he's going to be sick. And so they say to him, you know, you move out the way and they kind of all take over. Um, but that really haunts Carter because later he, he has this scene, which is probably the most touchy-feely scene in the world from Benton's point of view, where he kind of apologises to Benton and he says, you know what, I, I really want to be a surgeon. And then this guy comes in with these awful burns and I just couldn't hack it and he's kind of really questioning himself and Benton says you know that's the worst it will ever be and you managed to stay there and you know you you tried and it, it it's about as touchy-feely as we ever get from Benton so it's actually quite a you know another um so you know Benton basically we see that softer side where he's being nice to Carter and he's saying to him you did the best you could and you stayed there and I just, a lot happens in this episode and I remembered that moment. So I thought that that was really well done. There was that. It's it's obvious, I mean, like the, the whole thing is sad, but this is one of the episodes that really went in for, although Raul had been, I suppose, at best uh, guest star. Yeah. yeah. This one is like, no, one of our own. Yeah. One of our own is 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 down. One of our own is not well. And I think, oddly enough, that is summed up beautifully when Susan goes in to check the x-ray yeah. and she hears crying behind her and it's oh, Lydia. Yeah. Yes. And 
it was, it literally just goes, you know, I try not to let it phase me. I try not to, to let it break me. Um, and Susan doesn't say anything. She doesn't need to. No. Yeah. You know? I, it's another quote I wrote down. Sometimes I, I just, don't know, just don't know what to do with it all, you know. And Lydia, yeah. especially because Lydia and Halei, to some extent, they're both very dry. Yeah. And mm. the impression is that nothing phases them. They've been around the block umpteen yeah. times and they've seen it all, done it all, you know, cut the T-shirt off the dead body or whatever. Do you oh. know what I mean? It's, but then to, for Lydia to, to break down like that, I, yeah. I wondered if it's because, you know, her fiance is a cop, so that's always in her that. mind. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, kind of yeah. there on the front line. But, yeah. uh, and I also thought it was beautiful to kind of show how it does ripple through and it does affect people and they're not just these machines who can just get through this. And it made me think a little bit, and again, respect to all the doctors and frontline workers who are dealing with COVID at the moment because God, yeah. the traumas they must be having to see on a day-to-day basis. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that moment, again, was another really small but poignant moment that yeah. you kind of can't forget to see and it does that thing where it adds depth to somebody that you don't always get to see we don't see lot we see lots of Lydia but we don't always hear a lot about her and yeah like what what do we know about I mean obviously we know a bit about her but in a lot of episodes it's she's giving you the stats you know yeah. she's she's just more present than she is a character yeah yeah um yeah. but here and I think it was really well done how someone who has always been present is hit so hard by this. Yeah, I um, agree. And I think, yeah, it, it, it really, really works. Um, so, yeah, to have... Uh, obviously, like, Hale, I, I think it's much... Mm, I don't know if Hale would have cried. Mm. I, th- I think Hale is... I think her emotions are closer to the surface, and so they're somewhat easier to manage, whereas yeah. Lydia kind of keeps a straight face, and so it hits a little bit harder that she's the one who's crying. Yeah. I think you're right. And that, I think that's what was so powerful about it. It was so unexpected that it would be Lydia. And it really kind of gave depth to, to, to the show. Um, and then another really heartbreaking moment is where, um, you know, Carol kind of comes in to find out how Raoul's doing because Shep doesn't, is obviously freaking out and wants news. And Carol comes in to where they are with Raoul and, and she's like, you know, how, how's everything going? And everybody just kind of shakes their head. And it's a very small moment and then she kind of turns and she starts crying or and she looks up and all the paramedics and uh, firefighters are standing there looking at her and she kind of does this smile to try and be strong for them but that's like when you know that you really have that confirmation that this this isn't going to end well um and we kind of live that through carol i think who is the kind of perfect conduit for that because she's obviously spent that time with raul and she is obviously with shep so she probably knows maybe raul the best of everybody in the hospital possibly um and has that link with him but i also thought i think what they also tried to do is obviously we don't see a lot of raul but they tried to show that they you know they are close um but I, I get the feeling that they were trying to show that they do have a good relationship and they are quite close with Raul. We obviously just don't always see it because we're not always tuned into the ER and mm. we'll tune in when, you know, after Shep, has let, uh, Shep and Raul have left for the day. Um, but it, it really, you see it impact everybody. Um, everybody's just completely devastated by this. It's one of their own. It's a horrible way to die. You know, it's not an instant yeah. death. It's a painful death that you know is is hap- going to happen. 
uh, it's just it's hideous and he is he's well aware oh, yeah. that it's coming as well because i think it was carol yes. says so um the the doctor that comes down and he'll be another one for our uh yes. everyone has been in but he basically says okay who's gonna tell like we the, it, it's kind of cuts to the scene if they're all kind of it's the aftermath of his examination of raul yeah and he goes who's gonna tell raul and carol just goes he's a paramedic he already knows yeah 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 um, and it's just like oh that is because you're right like he knew in the house yeah you know doesn't make it any easier no but yeah so and i think and then they do this thing which becomes a bit of a trope actually for er but when somebody who's liked or respected by a lot of people in the um in the in county general they do this thing where they kind of wheel them out and we see it happen a few times yeah that's true and that's kind of what they do with raul obviously he's still conscious and everybody's kind of and you get these great point of view shots like you are Raul and everybody's trying to wish you well and again that's another really heartbreaking moment because I think it's just a, a game not a game because that sounds playful, it's a ritual nearly thank you yeah and and also everybody's just saying their lines that they have to say but they know that they're not real um you know it's like when I and this is potentially this is grim and horrible but when you know somebody is terminal yeah. and you say get well soon yeah. Because you feel it's what you're supposed to say. Yeah. You know, and you feel if you don't say it, are you are you just being horrible? Like, you know, you're you're you you don't wish this person well. But yeah. then on the flip side, if you do say it, you're like, why would you say that when everyone in the room knows what the outcome is going to be? Yeah. It is yeah. it is a lose lose situation. Mm-hmm. But if you if everyone was there silent wouldn't It'd that be worse. be worse exactly yeah, yeah it would be and and i think also you kind of want to be able to offer something and say i'm here i'm yeah i'm you know i'm thinking of you you're in my thoughts kind of thing um and then yeah so raul goes upstairs to the burn unit and carol's with shep and she says you know you've he's up here you've got to go see him and shep is refusing to see him because shep feels responsible he's the one who said let's go in without um without the stuff Uh, raul said let's not let's wait they're literally around the corner but shep being shep did his big gesture thing and he ran in without thinking and and now you know his his big grand gestures have a body count um that's true I think it's really tough. It is because I've I do feel for Shep because if you're somewhere and you think you can help, you that's your instinct, you know? If you yeah. think you have a skill. One of the hardest things to do when you have the power to do something is to yeah. do nothing. Yeah. Exactly um, that. And while like regardless of the outcome, by the book, they should have stood there. But yeah. They were never going to. You, no, I, you I can't. would like to think that if I was to ever find myself in a situation and I hear someone crying for help, I will try and help them. Yeah. Obviously, we don't know until we've been tested, but we know that if someone somewhere was to cry for help, Shep will find a way. Yeah, it's one of his. You know, it, it's one of his strengths. To the point where it's almost a flaw. Yeah. Yeah, because it sometimes leads them to not think or put people in positions that they maybe shouldn't be in. Um, and then there's this scene with 
oh gosh, Carol, where she's actually with Raul, and he says, and he knows, and they're trying to have a conversation. He just says that he's scared. And I don't know what you would do in that situation when you're with somebody who says that when you know you, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And you're somebody like Carol, who is a helper and who is a healer, and you can't do that. I just thought that that was just the dynamics between kind of her and Shep and um, Raul in this. Just, I thought it was so beautifully played by all of them. It's a great payoff as well from going all the way back to the start of the second season when they're doing the ambulance ride-alongs. You know, it's obviously we've been going through this week by week with our lovely listeners. So it's 16 weeks ago that uh, they were doing their, their ride along. And it is, it's now I'm criticizing myself for saying a lovely payoff, but it is a apt. apt Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. It's, you know, where the story has always been Carol and Shep, Carol and Shep without meaning to almost, it's been the three of them. Yeah. And you know, Raul's loss is going to be felt. Yeah. Um, I think then the, the, the scene, so we don't actually, there, there is another scene with Raul, but we don't actually see um, Raul's death in this no. episode. Like it, it's, I think wisely enough, either the writer or director went, you don't need to belabor a point. Um, no. Because then what it does is it goes to Doc Magoo's, so yeah. we have, um, I think it might be, is it Lily Marie? Uh, yes, yeah. She, nice, she, yeah. Yeah, she's the first one to go, look, I, I don't feel like going home. Do you want to go and get something to eat? Malik says yes. Um, and then they turn around. And it, what I think is, it's a lovely gesture is yeah. all the firemen are still standing there because yeah. they're still waiting. I suppose we know what they're waiting for. But they say, do you want to come? And this is what we were saying at the start of the episode. This is, a, I think it's an excellent, excellent depiction of a wake. Yeah. You know, exactly they're, that. They're it's telling that, stories, yeah. Yeah, that tenter, those tenter hooks of kind of, like you say, you're feeling huge amounts of grief and there's tension, but you're also kind of celebrating a life and talking about the good times and trying to survive together. Yeah. And and that's what I think Ed, you were saying as well. Like that's, it's um, it, it's that thing where you know you are laughing and smiling as you talk about happy memories, yeah. and then on a dime, you know, it, it can just go tears. Yeah. It just hits you. Not that it's not been as present as all of them in the room, but when you start talking about one thing, and then oh, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time? Do you remember that time? Yeah to then everyone just goes quiet and there's a there's a lingering shot on Mark's face yeah. because Mark although I don't think there's really been much um, interaction between Mark and Raul Mark is for all intents and purposes the dad of yes. the ER um, and you can see that he's affected too yeah he knows that his children are going to be in pain and that this is going to have repercussions yeah. and he has to try and figure out ways to 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 you know manage that and it's a really interesting thing that they do actually because they come close up on mark and then they do a dissolve which they don't often do mm. and it and it dissolves into kind of role in his bed and it really and where the placement of role is like 
on Mark's head and it felt very much like they were saying, you know, that's what was on his mind. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And just to kind of go back to a point that you made about that, you know, they don't belabor the point by showing the death. This is something that they kind of do throughout this episode, which I think is so deaf, handled so deftly, where they kind of, so the moment that Carol tells Shep that Raoul's not going to live, we, we're not in the room, we're outside the room, we can kind of hear bits, but we can't really, all we can see is really yeah. reactions of Shep just kind of crying. And I thought that was good because sometimes when you do scenes like that, and you, the words just don't always come out that well. And sometimes yeah. just having that image is quite, you know, it's quite good. And then also with the death thing, we know he's going to pass away because we have a moment with the burn doctor basically saying he's not going to make it till morning. Yeah. Um, so again, that's another way of them kind of, you know, putting all these little pieces together so that we can fit them in without seeing it because sometimes seeing it can be quite trite and quite, oh, I don't know. It, it, it can be too much. And actually I thought the way they did it was beautiful because it felt yeah. more real. No, I, I like. I, I agree with you. I thought it was a very. It was great because they, they sort of did that thing that they did with the um, the O'Briens, didn't they? They did it. You know, they did it with the door closing on the scene, yeah. on the people in the room, and then they pull away, and you just hear the reaction, or you see the reaction. It was just Shep sort of, you know, shouting no over and over again, which some of us thought was well played, and some of us weren't so sure. But, um, well, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm no fan of Shep, and I'm not going to lie and what? pretend that. Pretend <laughs> <laughs> that I wouldn't turn around at Raoul's funeral and turn to Shep and say, it should have been you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, standing there over the coffin going, well, you killed him. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I, I, I kind of meant more than, I just thought the moment was very... Yeah. beautifully dealt with that kind of I, yeah. I, I'm much more into the imagery rather than them being like Carol going Shep's gonna die uh, you know sorry not Shep oh god there's my <laughs> Freudian slip um all right yeah steady yeah. <laughs> you know uh, Raoul's gonna die and him going no to the point where we could see and it just becomes kind of fake and vacant um yeah but I mean I am angry at Shep as well because he does just run sometimes and and I feel for, for Raoul because he you know he did want to stop he did want to stand back and 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 maybe that would have been the braver decision at that point um well, i'm not saying there is a right answer and a wrong answer but something that shep will always have to live with is he was the one who entered that building yeah. and and also in the the closing shot of the episode and yeah. so carol shep is resistant because he's terrified but he does he goes up and see raul in the bed yeah. And Raoul comforts him. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I do think it's it's a beautiful scene. Um, yeah. And I think it's completely in keeping with the two characters. Shep is, I mean, he's about as strong as wet pasta. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, even though he is, he fancies himself the heroic and yeah. he is a, the definition of fool's rush in. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Raoul knows it. And Raoul confessed to Carol how scared he was yeah. and he looks after Shep when he comes in and I'd say he's probably more worried about oh god what's Shep gonna do when I'm gone yeah, yeah. he knows that this how this will affect Shep because he knows Shep they've been in the rig for how many years together and and also in that moment is they have this moment where they kind of talk about the breakfast oh you know and I just thought Oh, I don't know. There was some. It, it felt very much like in the kind of those cop movies where the the 
at the beginning of the episode or the beginning of the film, the cop says, you know, I'm going to retire tomorrow and I've got this dream. And, you know, that's how that whole breakfast thing felt, you know, let's go have yeah. breakfast and then bringing it up again at the end felt very much like, oh, I don't know. It, it, it was a real bittersweet moment. Because again, you know, you find those moments where you laugh and you have to laugh. Yeah. And that's what it kind of provided for them. But yeah, and then there's this just really beautiful kind of poetic tracking shot of Shep with his head down and Raoul kind of obviously comforting him. And then Carol, you can't really see Carol, but we know she's there as well. Um, and, and then it kind of just pulls away. And I just thought, we obviously know, we all know what's happening next. Um, and that I just thought was a really beautiful, poignant ending. Just to... Um to kind of give us a, a, a shake out of our doldrums yes. and our sadness. Um, <laughs> pure and utter rage returned this week. Yes. Um, <laughs> Your favourite. Uh, funnily enough, not at the fire, not at meth mom. Um, although uh, there was a moment, but no, at another terrible mother who returns this week. Oh. Uh, I, I, I sent a message at the start of this recording where we went... Um, Every time I see, and this is not personal against the actress, of course, <laughs> but every time I see that guest starring Kathleen Wilhoyt, my eye starts to twitch yeah. because Chloe comes back this week. Oh, she does. And oh. and obviously the, the way they do it. So, you know, Randy is so busy. She's at the desk. She's fielding a million calls and we don't see Chloe. We hear the voice and we all know because she's got such a distinct voice we know who this is and Randy has no idea because she's never met her and it, it's really inane to Randy to the point where she's like yeah yeah if you you know Susan's busy yeah you can go up to daycare and she even forgets to kind of tell Susan until kind of the last second and she's oh by the way your sister's been here all day and we see Susan run, there. yeah and and finds probably her worst nightmare seeing little Susie in the arms of, of Chloe but Chloe does look well, you know, she looks put together, fairness, yeah. she looks yeah. sober. Um, but, you know, we've seen this before. We, we've been with Susan. Susan has had to deal with the fallout of Chloe how many times, and especially the most recent where she just left her with the baby while she went, she was completely high and went off with her friend. So, you know, we. it's just so... It, it's perfect timing, isn't it? It's perfect Chloe timing to just come yeah. in and shatter what would have been a really easy adoption process for, yeah. for Susan. It's in a way there's a parallel between, uh, as you were saying about the uh, the breakfast being the part for Raoul and Shep being the kind of almost a unconscious hint as to what's going to happen at the end yeah. when you have Susan being told by the adoption agent oh listen this is the easiest thing in the world is you know familial adoptions oh, ha, ha, ha. everything will be fine you know what could possibly go wrong and then in walks because i think it's and it's something again that's alluded to especially in a lot of doug's storylines because he deals with obviously children in the hospital is that it really takes a lot to have the kids taken away from the biological parents yes yeah so just the fact that Chloe walks into the ER, that's it's basically game over for Susan. Yeah, yeah and I think also, I, I don't know, I felt like, does Chloe have like a bat signal for any time Susan's <laughs> life is finally going right, oh. that she sees in the sky and goes, right, let's go, you know, piss on that parade, because she just seems to turn up right when she shouldn't. Um, 
and 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 it also then sets that up so we know this adoption is now in trouble and Susan's now going to have to live with the fallout of, of Chloe once again um so you know that again is, is something that's like snuck in there it's not the, it doesn't take up huge moments but it takes up enough that you're like ah this is the next big thing that yeah. Susan now has to face yeah, it's good she's been having it so easy so far. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. come on. Yeah, how dare she? Lo loads of plenty, really, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, just I just want to touch on something. So, during the fire, there's this the talk of this mum who's disappeared um, from the scene of the fire, clutching a child, and she brings the child in. Um, he's got some smoke inhalation uh, issues, and then they're treating the the kid, and Doug yeah. says something pretty dark. <sighs> Does, does. It should have been her airway let out of let her let her suffocate. It's one of those things it's, where it's bloody vengeful, isn't it? We're all thinking it. Let's let's be like I mean, in the context of the episode, we're all thinking it because this woman is directly responsible for Raoul's death. She is responsible for that man who was on fire, man or woman, sorry, who was on fire at the start of the episode. Um, and it's just, and then she just walks in and. She, yeah, she abandons her kids, doesn't she? Completely enough, hospital? you're dead right. Yeah, because even while Doug is looking after, um, I think Max is the name of the kid who was yeah. uh, the first degree burns that Doug was looking after. And Doug says, the police are here to talk to you. And the kid is basically like, do they know where mom is? Like he's, he knows she's, yeah. she's kind of done a bunk. Yeah. And she walks in and she's almost, she, she is like, she's very apologetic. Isn't that so nice of you? And she's like, yeah. oh, I, I, I patched up the burns on his arms. I thought that would be enough. It's like, you kind of, you kind of look at her, you're like, what can I even say here? Because you yeah. are so far away from the reality of what you've done. Yeah. And I think for me, again, it's, I've, I've, I struggle because for me, I look at Susan, who's such a good mom and would do anything for kids. And then you mm. see this meth mom who, by virtue of having the children, you know, can parent in any awful way she wants to but Susan won't faces the trouble of of trying to adopt little Susie when she just wants to do the right thing and then you know biological mothers can up and leave or have a meth lab or whatever and I, I'm not damning the biological mother in this moment because again you know what are the systems in place that somebody ends up cooking meth and that being their desperate wish i'm sure she didn't think oh i'll do this and i don't care about my kids i'm sure there was a sense of it's dangerous but i'm desperate yeah. but I, I do get dug in that moment because it must be so tough when you see young people suffering and especially for him because he knows that these ramifications of this bad treatment will extend to their adulthood the way it has for him yeah, exactly um so it, it's dark but I understand it because again I think it's that sense of feeling like you have some control in the world that you don't have any so where they're talking about things like creepy critters and all that stuff for him being angry and, and saying something like that gives him that moment of you know control back or something. In fairness for Doug as well like I'd rather him say something like that then like we've seen him a few times go for the patients as in yeah. probably he punched the the dad of the abused kid again yeah. 
couldn't disagree with him, but there's only so many times he's going to get away with this. Yeah. Before he goes and kidnaps another kid and sticks him down a drain. <laughs> and goes, oh, look, who yeah. I just happened Oops, upon. Review board is tomorrow. <laughs> to me. Yeah. yeah. Come down the well, there's sugar down there. <laughs> we all float down here. But, um, yeah, it's just something I thought was quite ooh, mm. a hell of a thing to say. Yeah. I mean, I think it happens. I mean, I, I, I used to do a job where I was, um, I had to deal with a lot of police people who would have to deal with um, really horrible things that they would see and do. And they would get on the phone and they would say things to me that just to me were so same, seemed uncaring and un-PC and un, but I just think their day-to-day lives must be so full of that, that they must get tired and they must get to the point where they just, they see people doing things that they shouldn't or behaving in ways that are dangerous and they just kind of go, you know, that's their way of of living it every day and not going mad, maybe. I don't know. That's it. Maybe it's their, it's their release. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, um, so, yeah, you mentioned Gregory Itzin. Or indeed. mentioned... Yeah. yeah um, he's been a fair few things, hasn't he? <laughs> he has, indeed. He's, he's been in a few treks. He's definitely been in DS9, anyway. Yeah. Um, he was... Voyager, he, I think. Voyager as well. I think he's, I think he's been in... Was he in Enterprise as well? I think like, he's he's one of those uh, ones that's turned up. He's, they, yeah, they, they, he reused him. Yeah, he was in the Mirror um, Universe episode. Just, that's who he was. So, yeah, so he's in DS Nine twice, two separate characters. I just lost the the little bit. Uh, yeah. He's in Diagnosis Murder. Obviously, he hasn't been in Diagnosis Murder. Oh, and, Diagnosis uh, Murder. Yeah. yeah, so he played two different characters five years apart in uh, Deep Space Nine. Um, I'm sure, he, like you say, he's in Voyager. I'm just I'm uh, scrolling now. But um, yeah, just, yeah, Dr. Dysick in Critical Care in Voyager. I don't know if that rings any bells for you, Sean. The episode does, but... Yeah. Um... He was in Firefly as well. Um, just so much stuff that you have seen. Friends. Um, yeah. Meth Mom was one for me. Um, her name is Leah Lale, and it was really striking for me, because obviously in this she's Meth Mom, but what I've seen her are things like Mighty Ducks and Heavyweights, okay. where she's like a really kind of lovely, clean-cut, wholesome character who just wants to do the best for the kids. Oh. What you're saying is that she learned her lesson. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she, she gets rehabilitated, it's oh, fine. Oh, good. good yeah. <laughs> and they let her some, around yeah. kids again. <laughs> some stern talking to from Doug. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just that one threat was enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it did want to be. <laughs> um... I think that was we kind of we mentioned obviously Marge slash Marg Helgenberger slash Helgenberger, yeah. um, you know she of many names, um, and then I think that's I think that's nearly because there was, there was a lot of faces for one episode. There was yeah, quite yeah. a few yeah. um, uh, guest stars in this one. Um, the statue of Michael Jordan guest starred yeah. as well. <laughs> it, it did, well, we it had did. Scotty Pippen last week, didn't we? We so did. We did. We're yeah. ticking off the balls. I just wondered if they get. If they, I don't know if they got any kind of sponsorship or money or anything to, <laughs> to, to feature the balls as much as that. I mean, yeah. they were absolutely huge, and this was the real moment of that of them. But you know, they, they were the team for a long yeah. time, right? Yeah, and this was the point of that. You know, it was the yeah. the, the three of the um, Scotty Pippin, um, Michael Jordan, and oh gosh, what was the guy called? Who's also who uh, wears dresses? He used to wear dresses and oh, Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman. Oh, Those yeah. three were like 
the kings and if you yeah. watch that um the last dance on netflix oh, yeah. that's what I, that's I will get about. to that i will get to that um do we have any drugs this week would you like some i think yeah, after that this episode, episode yes I'm yeah bored. it's not really you know the sort it's not Valium, you know, would cover that, not Xanax or anything like that. Um, they mentioned Ringer's lactate quite a few times, um, which is a solution used for replacing fluids and electrolytes in oh, people who've got low blood lactate? Sorry, just well, it's, a, it's Ringer's lactate solution because oh, what it's got in it is um lactate ions <laughs> basically. Oh, okay. So it's also got sodium chloride, potassium, and calcium. Um, so basically, because because of its its solubility or whatever it's very easy to absorb by osmosis um okay yeah um and is it something that would be generally good for burn victims is that like yeah so it's basically it's replacing fluids quickly and easily Mm, quicker than saline um so you know obviously if you've been burnt you're gonna have lost some fluid absolutely need to replace that pretty quickly God, these um, doctors are so clever, aren't they? Aren't I know. Just it has the same, yeah, same tonicity. That's the word I was thinking was tonicity as blood. So basically that makes it easy to cross the barriers. Oh, wow. I think if I remember my A-level biology, which I got a very low grade in. Uh, At this stage, you must have kind of resat that exam. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I've been sending it to my A-level biology tutor. She's not responded. Oh. And I'm just honestly disgusted. But yeah, That's... it was in... Yeah. Surely you'll get a certificate in a few months from the yeah. exam board being like, look, yeah. we listen, you are a doctor. Here you go. It, it was 20 years ago. Um, levels, but yeah, it was invented in the early 1880s by Sidney Ringer, who's a British Ooh. physician and physiologist. And then it was sort of in the 1930s, it was modified by American pedi- pediatrician Alexis Hartman. Um, and so they kind of, that's, she added the lactate. I'm guessing she by the name Alexis. Um, Oh, fair, actually, oh, yeah. a fair point, yeah. So sometimes cool those, woman out there. Sometimes think, those ringers lactate or Hartman's solution. So there we go. I think the reason yeah. I get a bit... Um, f- the word lactate just makes me think of milk and... It, oh, yeah, yeah I, 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 was, I, I was a bit worried that, you know, ringers lactate is uh, stuff they milk out your ring, you know? Yeah, would that, and, uh, that is not something I would be giving as a treatment for something, <laughs> a punishment for something potentially, but... Not as a treatment, you know? Yeah, it's, it's the conjugate base of lactic acid, and I have no idea what that means. And now you know what your homework is for this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. But I think that is probably a good point to say we're calling it. Yes. Thanks for listening to our podcast about everything ER. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at you set the tone pod on Insta, and at set underscore pod on Twitter. And remember, you set the tone.